Hello, fellow kids, and welcome to episode 47 of Hello, Fellow Kids. We're not reading a book. Readings for nerds. Yeah, and only nerds would have read 50 books for a podcast and then decided to put them all in a March Madness bracket and figure out which one's the winner. Yeah, that's a sports idea. That's a sports idea. And we... We're, we're, we're sports. We're sports. We're so sports. I'm a big fan of foot basket. Um, I like badminton, so that's mine. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we have, uh, we have taken all of the books that we have read for the podcast, uh, which is 51 books, but two of them are basically the same book, so they are in one entry. Well, we have dropped them into a bracket i hit shuffle random a few times and we are going to uh we are going to discuss and figure out what is our favorite book collectively between all two of us of the the first several dozen episodes of the podcast if we had listeners we could have like pulled them for our poll consists of my dad and the person who suggested the list of things that will not change. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, do you have your bracket up? Yes. Okay. So let's start at the uh, the first matchup here is The Stranger's Guide to Taliston versus Fablehaven, Grip of the Shadow Plague. Oh, come on. It's clearly Taliston. <laughs> Okay, let's let's review the Stranger's Guide to Taliston was the book with that kid who kept going into like a different room in this house that would take him to like a whole different world and kept introducing new concepts with like every chapter and there was like really no winding down. Yeah. And then the yeah, Fablehaven books just like a Fablehaven book before the and then the F- Fablehaven the 3 involves uh, Patton Burgess punching a horse. <laughs> so, like... Which automatically makes it good. <laughs> so, to nobody's surprise, Fablehaven 3 is going to advance. Next down, we have Teen Titans Raven, the graphic novel, versus The Perfect Escape. That was the one about... There was, like, a contest and some robot zombies, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go with the robot zombies. Really? I would have gone with... Yeah. I, I'm gonna, uh, hmm. How are we going to do this if we dissent? Are we going to have to, like, one of us has to begrudgingly agree with the other? Or? No, I think I think we should flip a coin. Flip a coin? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, let's... let's like- Let's what? talk. Let's talk just real quick about why we are picking our our winner. Um, sure. I think that the art in Teen Titans Raven is really pretty, and I know that you can't necessarily directly compare the presence of art versus uh, a full novel, but I do feel like uh, the aesthetic of the book uh, is pretty strong, and I liked their reinterpretation of a very gothy superhero as a little bit more of a grounded character. Um and uh, there was a whole thing about choosing your favorite chocolate bar. Yeah, that's precisely why I'm not picking it. Boring, 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 boring. Whereas <laughs> the uh, zombie escape room stuff was just bonkers enough 
to at least be interesting. Well, I read the entire Raven book just thinking like, and so what? And so what? Like, it just did nothing for me, whereas the zombie escape room book also didn't do a whole lot for me. But at the end of the day, I feel like I could tell you more about what the perfect escape was about than I could about the Raven book. Okay. Because okay. it's stuck in my mind more. Okay. I don't disagree with most of the things that you said. Like, I didn't find the perfect escape boring, so I feel like our net opinions of the perfect escape both trend towards vaguely positive. Um, yeah. So I think that will grant it the win over Teen Titans. I don't feel strongly enough about <laughs> Teen Titans that I'm going to fight you for it. Exactly. You know... Like, it was fine. It was fine. It was fine. Okay, so the perfect escape is going to move on to round two. Uh, next up, we have Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim versus Paperback Crush, which is our only nonfiction work in here. And so that's a really interesting... Like, do you have a just kind of competent YA story about talking mice versus a, like, kind of hit compilation of historical information about a literary scene. And I know that that one, like, I feel like each one of these has kind of like a personal tie to us because like you, yeah. you were, you were a bit more of the era of the books that Paperback Crush was writing about. And I right. had read Mrs. Frisbee a long time prior. It's the only book I think that we've done that one of us had read before. So we both had kind of like personal attachments to those two books, interestingly enough. Yeah, I'm going to have to say Paperback Crush. Plus, it's like the only nonfiction book we haven't read, we, that we've read. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of puts us on a, in a more interesting place, rather, whereas like we are, we have another Talking Mouse book that we read. We do have another know? Talking Mouse book, yes. <laughs> so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Paperback Crush. You're going to go with Paperback Crush? Okay. Um, yeah, I can, I can do that. I feel like I, I oh. think, I think when I read Mrs. Frisbee the second time, I liked it, but I wasn't as enamored with it as I had been the first time I read it. So it kind of, it doesn't necessarily stand up to like repeated readings as well as I hoped it would. Um, I don't think it's bad. I still enjoy it, but I didn't love it with the same enthusiasm that I remembered from when I was younger. Paperback Crush was a lot of new information that I found really interesting. So we'll give that a win. We both we both enjoyed the chatty writing style, I think is what we called it. Yeah. So pa other, I, I think other people would say like conversational or you yeah. know, casual, but we're like, it's chatty. Yeah. I like it. So Paperback Crush moves on. Uh, going down to the next segment here. We have Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar versus Wings of Fire, the Dragonette Prophecy. I'm going to vote... I'm going to vote Rhea, but I don't love either of them. You know, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go with Rhea just because I liked the world building in it. And uh, it wasn't too bad. Like, it was fun enough. But I, I, I liked the... I think I liked the characters in Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar better than I like the characters in Wing of, Wings of Fire. Literally, the only two things I remember from Wings of Fire are that the names are stupid and boo? <laughs> yeah. The boo line was pretty terrific, though. The boo line's I pretty almost, terrific. 
but I almost gave it the vote just for the boo line. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think Rhea and the Blood of the Nectar was more interesting. And I straight up don't remember recording the episode of Wings of Fire. Like, like going back and I remember going back and editing and being like, I wasn't present for this. <laughs> there are just huge stretches where you. I just don't have anything to say. <laughs> I told you. I was just like, I was just like at the end of the episode, like, I feel like I carried that one. Where were you? And you're just like, I didn't like it. That one, yeah, that one fell into a really weird space for me where, like, usually even if I dislike something, I have something to say about it, but that one was just such a nothing book for me that I just had no input. Right, yeah. Sometimes that happens. That's that's what happened to me with Raven. Yeah. I was just like, okay, so what, though, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. All right. Ooh, this next pairing. Yeah. Fable That'll Haven be 1 versus The Witch Boy, which is a graphic novel by Molly Knox Ostertag, who you just read another one of her books yes. not too long ago. So. Yes. Okay. Um, oh, Fable Haven 1, I think, was my second favorite of the Fable Haven books. Yeah. The Witch Boy touched on a lot of really important things. Um, and the art was cool. I'm gonna go with Witch Boy. You're gonna go with Witch Boy? Cause, uh, Fable Haven was great and all, but I still feel that betrayal of the series falling apart. So it kinda tainted out. And as I recall, we did read that first book and we weren't like over the moon for it. It wasn't until like the next book that we completely got on board. Yeah, the first one we were like, this is this is solid, and we want to read the next one, but we weren't like mm-hmm. we weren't like this is carrying the torch. Um, but I feel like there was more enthusiasm for the Witch Boy when okay. we read that. Okay. Plus, uh, we ended up with that ongoing joke of Aster runs away upset. <laughs> uh, all right. So we're gonna move the Witch Boy on. Then we're skipping down here to to all the boys I loved before versus Pumpkinheads. I there's no doubt in my mind that Pumpkinheads is making it to like at least the semifinals. Pumpkinheads is just such a tremendous book. Considering we gave Pumpkinheads five stars, yeah. Um, like, I think I'm good. This still kind of hurts though, because I feel like Pumpkinheads and to all the boys were kind of doing a similar thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so this. This is kind of an ouchie, but I think I am going to go with Pumpkinheads. Pumpkinheads is still the only book that I've read since I was in, like, middle school, where I set it down and then picked it up and read it again that same day. So That's a pretty big, uh, it, yeah. Yeah, it hit something really hard in me. So, yeah, Pumpkinheads is moving up. Uh, don't worry, Laura Jean has two more uh, tickets in here. Exactly. So. She's got two more in here. We can still get her, get her there, <laughs> see how far she goes. All right. Her and Kavinsky. <laughs> this next one's not even anything. The Girl Who Drank the Moon versus Prepped. One of our that least next. favorites. <laughs> we know we know it was the girl who drank the moon. Uh, she wins. Gosh. Prepped was just so... Prepped was... Should I remember I was... more discussions about this? Huh? <laughs> should there be more discussions than this? Maybe we should be reminding people what these books are about. I mean, I guess, yeah, some, yeah. Prepped was the one about the, she lived in, like, the doomsday community. I was walking back, it was dark, and I was walking back to my apartment. I had gotten off the bus, and I was walking back to my apartment in the rain in the dark, and I had been reading the ebook version of Prepped, and I had texted you about, like, how there was just some, like, 
really unpleasant stuff with like the you know like the parental abuse and all of the stuff that goes on there and mm. i was texting you to be like are you gonna be okay with this because like not only that like topically but i also was like not feeling it and uh yeah, that's like my my most vivid memory is texting you being like, "Are we sure about this?" <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, this fictional child, I don't like being abused. Um, it sounds awful, but I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was I don't was... like being put in that position of like, you know how empathetic I am and compassionate I am about like childhood abuse and that it really upsets me. Yeah. Which shows for this book, I was just like, I really don't care. Yeah. That's on what level it failed for me. Yeah. I didn't care and about she, yeah. child abuse. And just her, her <laughs> awful tone, her awful, the, the tone that came through as the writer being almost like misanthropic. Yeah. It was really, I'm just going to say it, it was really ugly. Yeah. The girl who drank the moon's a treasure, though. <laughs> oh my God. It's just yeah, delightful. Modern day, <laughs> modern day masterpiece. Like how good it is. Moving on, uh, we have P.S. I still love you. Another large E. Oh my God. Versus yeah. the initiation and the expedition, which are just one muddy book in my brain. Yeah, if you guys even remember that, that was like this two. There's actually three, but we said no, we're not doing this again. But it's uh. A freaking uh, teen dystopian. Like it was years written in like after. 2018. Yeah. Like it was way after the trend. So I was like, bro, you're late. And you're late to the table with this. You're late to the potluck and you brought a box of mac and cheese that isn't even cooked. Like <laughs> it just didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So Lara Jean wins by default and no one's proud. <laughs> She's like, shit, I won against, like, garbage. And it's like, hey, you won. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next we have Extraordinary, the story of an ordinary princess versus the Penderwicks at Point Oet. Ooh. No, I'm going to go with Extraordinary, and this isn't hard for me because this is the Penderwick book we liked the least. This is the Penderwick book that we thought failed, well, not failed, but didn't have the charm of the others because Rosalind wasn't there and... Like, the hugely weird coincidental thing of, like, oh, Jeffrey's father just happens to be vacationing here, right. too. Like, what are the odds? And um I did have a colossal laughing fit at the end where there's, like, this boy that um Jane was interested in the book and tried to hang out with him and stuff. And, like, he was, like, a shit to her. And then he felt bad at the end and wrote this terrible poem for her. Oh, that's her. right. And then I laughed so hard. I was, like, wheezing in that episode. And, and that was delightful, but like one wheezing laughing moment does yeah, not make wasn't it like a, Jane, you're far from plain or something. She's a really slick pender witch. Like <laughs> <laughs> that, it was so funny. <sighs> yeah, but I think I'm gonna go with extraordinary instead because it had that adorable dragon that he was a decorator. He was yeah, he was an interior decorator. And, cute. like, all her cute. sisters having different gifts, and one of her sisters is, has the gift of wisdom or something, and the sister says something, there's, like, a voice bubble for someone off screen going, you should listen to your sister, she's very wise, and, like, <laughs> that made me laugh really hard, so, and it, yeah. Yeah. We'll put Cassie's book 
as the winner. All right. Uh... You beat Penderwix. What? <laughs> well, I mean, like. Uh, next we have Schooled versus Life-Formed Hearts and Minds, which is the second Life-Formed graphic novel. The second one. I think, I think Cassie's gonna go two for two. I think Life-Formed Hearts and Minds. So do I. Schooled, we, that, we reference it a lot in this podcast, I, I realized. Yeah. It kind of had the staying power. Like, we always like, oh, this person's as out of it as Capricorn. Yeah. What was his last name? I don't, I don't remember. They it called was like him Anderson Cap, though. or something. It was like... Capricorn Anderson. Yeah, like it. It wasn't bad. It was. It was just like all right. Uh, but um, Life Form Two was like it. It was that opportunity that I love with sequels, where you really get a chance to like dig into the characters. Like instead of yes. instead of going just like trying to do like the plot again but bigger, you instead almost go inward and you just focus more on the core dynamics um, and you really That's dig what into you that should stuff. do. Yeah. So. And, and they didn't introduce a million new characters <laughs> that we're suddenly supposed to care about. What the heck are even you though they probably, I don't know, but I feel like if they, they probably would have done that a lot better, but uh, if they had introduced new characters, yeah. which, Oh wait, they kind of did. And it did go well. It was the Muslim character on the uh, spaceship. Oh, yeah. And there wasn't there, like, a resistance group that they met or something? Yeah, it's been a while since we read it. It's been a while since we've read it, and they, uh, they're they continuing it in single issues now, so hmm. we're going to have to figure out how we're going to pick that back up. Like, if they compile right. them, or if they just do it in story arcs and we find the issues or something. Matt, the writer, actually, he also started... Uh, anthology comic series called Thoughtscape and I kickstarted the first volume and one of the uh one of the bonuses was a uh a short life formed uh side story comic that he and Cassie did for it. So I have that. I haven't read it yet, but um there's just a little bonus Great. story. So cool. Yeah. Next is So you want to be a wizard versus doll bones. Well okay. Okay. This, this is a toughie. <laughs> What are we going to do? Okay. So you want to be a wizard is those two kids in New York who have uh, wizardy powers uh, and they end up in some alternate world and they have to find like a book that's supposed to save the world. And uh, it was our first, I think it was the first time either of us had read anything by Diane Duane. Yeah. And, uh, and it was one of those books that's so opposite from what we just read, but it was like, technically proficient but kind of lacked the heart that makes you care about the story yeah and then doll bones was just like amazing yeah um that i still remember like everything beat for beat in doll bones because uh, i i only read it the once but but i've listened to the episode a couple of times yeah, I um so I actually read it a second time a couple of years later as uh, as a gift for my girlfriend I recorded an audiobook of it. And it it was it was just as delightful the second time around. So, um And what was the name of the guy in the bus? Was it Tin Shoe Jones? Yes. That sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So Dollbone wins and that's not surprising. Riverland versus the list of things that will not change. Oh I mean Oh my god, is how many more of these are there going to be? Yeah, the, I mean, the list of the, obviously like the the further we get into the bracket, the more it's going to be like a five star versus a five star sort of a thing. But yes, I mean, so it'll be a little bit easier. We got to filter out some of the nonsense. And Riverland was another sure. one of those like just kind of a bummer of a read for so much. Yeah, of it. Riverland was like too uh, 
children who are in an abusive home who end up in this kind of poorly realized fantasy world that we didn't really understand. And we're like, what is what metaphor are we going for here? (laughs) And it was just I don't know. I feel like that needed more time to percolate in the author's brain to, you know. Yeah. Because sometimes ideas just aren't ready yet. Yeah. I've experienced that when I've tried to write something. I'm like, nah, I don't. I don't think this is going to work. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's still baking in there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, it definitely needed some more time in the in the mind of. And meanwhile, the list of things yeah. that will not change has one of my favorite characters as a book we've read for this podcast. So... <laughs> a mission. No, no, sorry. <laughs> oh, no! Sorry. <laughs> you know me, raging homophobe. I, that's the only reason I hang out with you. <laughs> No, the list of things that will not change is a very charming book and about an emotionally intelligent child and her father's remarriage. Yeah. So that's what we liked. Uh, obviously, the list of things that will not change will be moving on. Uh, next, we have Fablehaven Secrets of the Dragon Sanctuary, which is book four versus Always and Forever, Lara Jean. That was when the Fablehaven series really started to like... All uh, apart. It wasn't falling yet, but it was kind of, you could tell that it was kind of wobbling. It was wobbling quite um, a bit, yeah. So I'm going to have to go with Lara Jean, because I feel like that series was always consistent. I don't think there was any one book that was better or worse yeah, than the it, others. It, wasn't, it also wasn't reaching too hard to do anything super special. It was just doing what it did solidly. And the characters <laughs> were fun. Uh, we still reference... Kitty Covey would never. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually from Prepped, where I said that a whole bunch, but Kitty Covey is from the Lara yes. Jean series. Yes. Uh, and we we still reference uh, Kavinsky, so, yeah. It's uh, yeah, we reference Kavinsky's slander, uh, not slandering, plagiarizing uh, Poe. <laughs> <laughs> Annabelle Lee. Yeah. So, Lara Jean gets two tickets to the next round. Good work, Lara. Next, we have tun- Tunnels vs. Wolf Hollow. Both of these books made you very emotional. Just opposite sides of emotions, <laughs> right? Okay. So, Tunnels yeah. is awful. Tunnels is just really bad. I I had someone at the library not too long ago request books in the Tunnels series, and I was just like, gosh, oh. it looks like we're all sold out of them, and I wasn't sorry at all. <laughs> oh my god. Really? Um, you yeah, lied. That's... Why? No, I said you lied. Oh. No, we actually didn't have any. We, we oh, genuinely didn't. didn't have any, but I was not disappointed in that, and I did not try to find them at other locations. <laughs> we're doing you a favor. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Tunnels is what I thought would have been a really cool book, because it's about a kid who discovers like an underground mystery city, and somehow it just ended up sucking all the fun out of everything. And severely punishing, like, the only good, decent person in the story. And famously, it is the only episode I was slightly buzzed during, because I had to drink alcohol in order to get through it. (laughs) So, Wolf Hollow. It's also famously one of two books that have made this podcast actually get closer to being dissolved, but the other episode never got released. (laughs) That's right. I nearly quit the podcast over that, over Tunnels. So yeah, Wolf Hollow is uh, better. Go ahead and remind us about the uh, the delights of Wolf Hollow. 
Well, Wolf Hollow delights a little bit much. I, I just, it's about an outsider in a community who was villainized by, um, a bad faith actor. There's this horrible little girl who, um, everyone just keeps platforming who doesn't deserve a platform and she just gets more and more awful. And the author was inspired by, uh, the 2016 election and the, um, piece of shit who won that and the people around him who enabled his bad behavior. So that's why I ended up in tears reading it. Cause I was just like, it's cause it just brought about the feelings of like helplessness and frustration that I had at that time. So it just felt so real without being too bad. Yeah. Like, cause sometimes like Riverland, I got overwhelmed with the subject matter of that. Yeah. Uh, but, Wolf Hollow, I think maybe because it take, took place in like, uh, what was it, like the 1930s and 1940s? Because I think the Toby had served in the war, but I don't remember I which think one. I think he served in World War One. Yeah, I, that makes sense. Yeah. I don't think the second one had happened yet because there was like a German who lived in their area who wasn't villainized. Yeah. At least not until the horrible child moved in. Right. So yeah, Wolf Wolf Hollow. Like Wolf. it's not like a cheery read. It's not a cheery but, read, but it is. No. It, it is a it's an important read. Yeah, yeah. So Wolf Hollow, of course. Uh, next we have Ghosts versus Fablehaven: Keys to the Demon Prison, which is the fifth book and the reason why I got rid of my whole box set because it just all right. It just so uh, Ghosts. It win. just soured the whole series. It was such a it, such a letdown. Yeah, it's. Such a oh, you mean you didn't like the overpowered unicorn prince? <laughs> that sounds like that sounds girls? like something that like someone's niece like was like tugging on their leg and was like, I want you to write in a beautiful unicorn boy, and he can solve all our problems. He can. I don't even know why anyone else is here because he can do anything. Literally, we don't need. Anyone else? We don't need Seth. We don't need Tanny. We don't need we don't need Coulter. We don't need anybody. Lauren? We just need Kendra there so that she can kiss him at the end. Except that's Yay. that's a little weird. That doesn't happen. Horse. So we won't do that. But we'll say. But we'll Andy's imply like that he'll hundred. wait around until she's older. I was gonna say, and he's several hundred years old. So it's like Ugh. gross. <laughs> yeah. So ghost ghost wins. Ghost wins. Ghost was uh. Raina Telgemeier graphic novel about uh, spirits around near the Day of the Dead, right? Yes. Yeah. And it kind of has like a, accusations of cultural appropriation or insensitivity. So I don't have a problem with this getting knocked out later. So, but it wins against Fablehaven just for being a better story. Yeah. She also acknowledged that she tried and will try harder next time. So like, you mm-hmm. know. Pobody's nerfic. Alright, next we have Fablehaven Rise of the Evening Star, which is book two, versus Dead Voices, which is the second book in the Small Spaces series. We found Dead Voices a little bit disappointing. We did find Dead Voices disappointing. It did that thing where uh, one of the characters just gets nothing to do, and that was a bummer. I don't know. It was. I don't think it was as creepy as the first one, and I, d- I didn't feel like it was as like tightly woven. It was still really good. It wasn't bad. Fablehaven yeah. 2 is still my favorite personally of the five Fablehaven books and I think it's that a good it, one. I think that it deserves because it is it it managed to do the sequel thing so well. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think I think it deserves its spot in at least the next round. So I would fight for Fablehaven Rise of the Evening Star to prove. Oh. Proceed. You don't need to, because uh, um, I agree. I think that that one is a decent one that deserves to go on ahead. I don't feel great about it because I kind of I liked Dead Voices I think more than you did, but um, I can recognize that Fable Haven Rise of the Evening Star was one that we both really enjoyed, and that was the one where we kind of jumped on the bandwagon yeah. of yes, this series, yeah, this series, man. Yeah, I mean, if we're it crashed so hard. if we're if we're comparing just being book twos of series, I feel like this was a stronger book two it was than a very strong, a very strong book two, like the rare book two that was actually kind of better than the first yeah. book. Yeah. Ooh. Oh no. This is I an interesting one. Yeah, let's see what we can do. Okay, the view from Saturday versus. The anthology, A Glory of Unicorns. That's rough because I really liked, like, I think I really liked, like, three of the stories in A Glory of Unicorns, and then mm-hmm. all of the other ones were okay all the way down to Gregory Maguire. Yeah. And the view from Saturday, I remember I really, really liked it until we had the discussion, and I'm like, oh, I don't really like it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you came into it with your, like, four stars, and I was like, okay, well, let's see what happens. And then at the end, we were just like, uh, okay. She's like, okay, never mind. The only stuff um, I really remember are, like, there's the thing about somebody pushing the person in the wheelchair without them consenting to it, and we're like, you don't do that. Um, and there was some, I remember there was some knucklehead public figure who kept saying dumb things to the press that then they had to try, they had to, like, live up to. Oh, yeah. Like, like, like I think they didn't want to pay for the trip, but then the guy said something that sounds like, we support the team 100%, so then they had to pay for the trip. Yeah. So I think I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to say A Glory of Unicorns. Yeah? Okay. Because I think that made more of an impression than The View from Saturday did. It wasn't a very good impression. But the a few stories of the stories were, good, were genuinely good. Yeah. Which um, I can't say about The View from Saturday. Uh, oh, quick shit. quick aside, though, before we before we go into that. Um, so I remembered like reading The Glory of Unicorns thing and being like, I don't like this Gregory Maguire story, and then you saying something about you not really liking Gregory Maguire's writing. And, uh, for whatever reason, I ended up on Goodreads, and apparently no one likes Gregory Maguire's writing. Like, all of his stuff has really bad reviews. Like... I don't know how he keeps... how he keeps writing. Like, some of his stuff is, like, under three stars. Oh my god, for, like, the, um... the average? Yeah, so, like, Wicked is is his highest at 3.54. That's um, not that great. Oh no. boy. Actually, Out of Oz is slightly better. Uh, but then, yeah, um, Lost is 2.83 and After Alice is 2.81. Yeah, Lost was dreadful. I read that one. And also, the guy has never had, like, his own idea before. All he knows how to do is rewrite other stories. Um, Lost, Lost was his own idea, I think. I don't know what that was, would have been based on. Cause there wasn't really a, fairy tale he was cribbing from or taking someone else's fantasy world and like ruining it like Oz so the only good thing to come out of him making Wicked like that is the stage musical the stage and that's musical it. Is phenomenal. oh it's fantastic yeah. it made the characters better and more likable he can't write a likable character I mean you can write stuff where the characters suck and they don't need to be like, oh, I 100% agree with this person all the time. But I think you should at least care enough to want to keep reading. Right. And he even, just can't do that. Even if you dislike somebody, you should dislike them in an engaging fashion. 
You just don't. Like, everyone... Okay, you know how... It's, it's like, all his work, I, what I can compare it to now, since now we've read uh, other stuff, it's basically, like, how Prepped was written. It's just that kind of gross feeling through it, where you're just like, wow, the person... The way this is coming across is really just not fun. Hmm. Yeah. That's n- no good. No. That's what it's like. I tried... You're like, why do you keep reading it? And I'm like, oh, I keep trying, thinking maybe it'll be better. Because <laughs> he comes up with interesting enough ideas, but what he needs to do is give those ideas to a better writer who could, like, bring it to life. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. People do it. It's a thing. They do. It's called ghostwriting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, the last matchup for round one. The thing about jellyfish versus the first Penderwicks. Jellyfish. Those are both good books, but I think they the are. thing about jellyfish Sorry. is going to pull ahead. The thing is, we liked the second Penderwicks book the best. The second Penderwicks book is phenomenal. The first one's the second, good. The first one's fu- good, yeah. But the second one is just a delight. Just start to finish, just so fun. It's like Ramona Quimby vibes, like, all yes. through it. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, so the thing about jellyfish is going to pull ahead, and that's going to do it for uh, the first round. So let's scroll all the way back up to the top, and we're going to go into the... there Because we had 50 books, uh, and brackets are usually done for uh, multiples of eight, uh, like like eight, eights and fours or whatever, um, mm-hmm. there are going to be some here that weren't present in the first round because they got a buy just based on how it randomly seeded them. So the first matchup here is going to be All the Lovely Bad Ones by Mary Downing Hahn versus Fablehaven Grip at the Shadow Plague. I okay. Think... Now, we both love Mary Downing Hahn. And we both agreed that this was not up to snuff for her no. her reputation. Like, if this was Wait Till Helen Comes, this would win. Right. Of, like, over anybody else in this list, maybe. But it is not. At least not. if, like, <laughs> but it's not. At least if 10-year-old Mara was here, right. she'd be all like, yes! 10-year-old but, uh, Ma- no. Mara is dying on that hill with Helen. She is. Yes. So, uh, All the Lovely Bad Ones was kind of disappointing. And we already established that Fablehaven, Grip of the Shadow Plague, had Patton Burgess punching a centaur in the in the side. <laughs> which is a mental image that lives in my head rent-free. <laughs> so, yeah, Grip of the Shadow Plague. Alright. For, for me. Alright. I'm so fine with that. <laughs> Patton punching a centaur in the side is going to carry it a good ways here. Next, we have The Perfect Escape versus Paperback Crush. And I think the Paperback Crush was more yes. interesting. Is more interesting. So. There we go. I'm fine with that. But I do find comparing novels to non-novels kind of a, a strange thing, but I think I think it's working out okay. Um, it's going fine. And uh, Paperback Crush, there was like a moment in Paperback Crush where I was just so entertained and happy and that was when it was telling about a series I'd never heard about before. But it was like Teen Angels, where they all lived with the Angel High School, and they were like, <laughs> yes. they were lorded over by James Dean. Yes, come on, that's amazing. <laughs> Reboot that. I want that series now. I was just like, oh no, reboot it. Make it like gritty, grim, dark. Even just campy, gritty, grim, dark. I don't know how to describe what I want. <laughs> Maybe you know what I mean. Yeah. Like Riverdale. I think that's gritty, grim, dark, campy. 
Yes. Is what I mean. And I don't even watch Riverdale. I just see everyone else's reactions to it and go like, what a crazy show. I just don't have the patience to get into that. Right. <laughs> okay. So uh. Paperback Crush will move on. Uh, next we have a newcomer, Clockwork versus Rhea mm. and the Blood of the Nectar. And the Clockwork is one of my heart books. And so... Uh, it is. Clockwork was the one with the intertwining stories about a clockwork prince and a storyteller <laughs> And it was just, it was a short book with a, with a, just a, a really fun, like, uh, the idea of kind of constructing something and then letting it kind of unwind, um, in it's all. It's a story about creation. Yeah. Like creating things, yeah. like not just clockwork stuff, but like also how writers approach writing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just worked on a lot of different levels, even if the music wasn't good. <laughs> Yes, the the gentleman who wrote our theme tune, um, Josh showed him the sheet music for like the fictional song in the in the story, and he went, "It's not even good." Did you just refer to him as the gentleman that wrote our music, even though we address him by name at the end of each episode? <laughs> Does he not want to be called a gentleman? <laughs> okay, yeah. So Clockwork wins, and that's that should not be surprising. Um, no. It also is coming from the guy who wrote his dark materials, and it's going up against somebody's first novel uh, on a small press, so, like... Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Ooh! The Witch Boy versus Small Spaces. Okay. I'm gonna say Small Spaces, because I'm kind of going by, like, the reading experience. You had to get up and lock the door. I had to get up and lock the door because it frightened me so badly. <laughs> and I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. Yeah. The like, Witch Boy was kind clue. of one of those ones where it just looks like something that you'd like. And Small Spaces totally. is like, is like uh, I mean, if it, if, it, if it works, it's gonna work, but... Yeah. Small Spaces was kind of a gamble because, like, I just looked at the cover and was like, I want to read that. I was just viscerally pulled to it. Yeah. And then also seeing like the blurb from R.L. Stein saying that it was good. And I was just like, shit, I went to him for all my horror needs mm-hmm. when I was a child. He might know what he's talking about. And he did. <laughs> so, yeah, as much as I enjoyed The Witch Boy, I'm going to have to go with Small Spaces. Yeah. This- because we, we went, how many more books we did we commit to just on the strength of this? Like, right, we're like, okay, we're reading all four now. <laughs> all um, four of them. We don't care what happens. Yes, no, it's, yeah, Small Spaces, like, freaked me out. It was, it was really good. And it's not a knock against The Witch Boy. The Witch Boy is really a strong book. It is it's good. just Small Spaces, just like, it's squeezed in through the cracks and it's just like, I'm coming. I mean, your watch goes blank and then comes back and not all the time, but it just says, run. <laughs> Yes. Like, I think I think even um Molly herself would be like, no, that's a really good mental image. <laughs> She'd <laughs> understand. I'm, I think I could think of worse things to lose out lose out to in this oh, yeah. bracket. So yeah. Okay. Uh next we have Every Stolen Breath, which is another newcomer for the bracket, versus Pumpkin Heads. Every Stolen Breath surprised me because like I don't remember when we decided that it was actually like pretty all right but i remember like developing a much more positive reaction to it after a while like yeah after we sat with it 
we were just like, you know what? That teen thriller we read was actually pretty cool. Uh, and it had like the plucky Gail Weathers reporter, the girl who was just seemed kind of physically weak and kind of was. And we call kind of acknowledge that she was kind of a crummy character, but they acknowledge that she was a crummy character, like in text as well. So we're yeah. like, Oh, cool. It's like a, a, a book that's self-aware of its character for a change instead of us sitting there like, you know, this person actually kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> no one is saying anything. Yeah. But that um, being said, pumpkin heads wins. Friggin' pumpkin heads. <laughs> <laughs> but we did enjoy every stolen yes. breath. And I need to check up on that author again just to see if she has anything else coming out because I liked her writing enough. That I'd be in if she wrote something else. Hey, let's uh, let's check right now. Let's check okay, right sure. now. Uh, <laughs> she does not have anything new out yet. Oh, what a shame. Well, I'd when like you do, be... we'll be here. I think we will. Yeah. Yeah, that might. That's one of the only ones that I might have to go back and re-rate because I have it at a three now. But like retroactively, I think it became a four. I uh, remember what I rated it as. You rated it four. So. I did. Okay. I was just like, I think that was a solid four book. Yeah. Okay, next we have The Girl Who Drank the Moon versus Winterhouse. Winterhouse had such a cool premise and, like, a really fun setting, and it just didn't, like, it, it made choices that I didn't agree with. But story was just so low stakes, but thought it was high stakes, which was awkward. Because you can have a low stakes story and it can still be good. Yeah, like the Penderwicks. Totally, but this was, like... Oh my god, it's so... She'll destroy everything. Yeah, the hotel. You're insured, aren't you? It's fine. <laughs> like, and who makes their whole life mission to destroy a hotel? That's embarrassing. Yeah, I don't... Mm. Girl who drank the moon. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Alright. Uh, Penderwicks on Gardam Street versus P.S. I Still Love You. Oh no. Okay. Okay, so Gardam Street was the one where we actually get to see the Penderwicks at home yeah. in their element. Yes. All Ramona Quimby yes. and Henry Huggins. Yes, we get Halloween, um, we get the play, we get We get uh, the ben. older brother who yeah. makes the girls doing football drills. I'm like, <laughs> look at Rosalind, I'm playing football, and the football sails over her head. I don't know if that actually happened or if we made that up. Uh, no, it it does happen. Yeah, she's 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 like I got it. It's just like six feet away. <laughs> and also, the older brother that we keep picturing is Steve Harrington. Yes, who who like makes his football team a, a keep approaching um, what's her face Rosalind to say you need to solve the trilby problem. Yes, you need to solve the trilby problem. So just still, she's like fine, I will. And P.S. I love you. Still love you. Is like is charming, and it introduced that boy that. I thought she should have chosen instead of Peter, even though I do love Peter Kavinsky very much. It was John Ambrose McLaren. Yes. Who is the single most perfect boy who was ever created in a book ever. <laughs> he kind of is. I'm sorry. Yeah. He was. He's like boy Lara Jean. Yes. And I do really like that one a lot, but I'm going to have to go with Gardam Street. Yeah. Gar Gardam Street. Like If I hadn't grown up on Ramona Quimby, maybe I wouldn't. Yeah. But I did. That's where we're at. Yeah. Like, that that book just channeled the spirit of Beverly Cleary in a way that so few books would be capable of doing. Yes. Okay. Extraordinary versus... 
the Sisters Grimm, the fairy tale detectives. I don't even remember. I remember more about the spoilers I read about the end of that series than I do about the book that we read. I remember there was this cartoony part where someone got wrapped up in a rug and then unwoven in these spinning in circles. And I was like, that doesn't sound like something that would happen in real life. That sounds like a cartoon. And there's like this douchebag Peter Pan character who was annoying. Mm -hmm. And the older sister was overly suspicious of the grandmother for far too long to be believable. Yeah. But then the big bad wolf character bought them ugly clothes because he was colorblind and didn't know they were ugly. That was the only good part of the book. (laughs) Right. So, um, yeah, we're going to have to go with Extraordinary for this one. We're also going with Extraordinary because it's good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's not like, oh, by default, but like, I feel like we would have chosen it over some of these other things as well. Yeah. Okay, Okay. next one. We're introducing As Brave As You and putting it up against Life-Formed Hearts and Minds. As Brave As You is Um, like one, it's, it's a more like capital important book, you know? Yeah, I kind of have to go with that one. Yeah. Uh, I feel like it was doing more, and what it was doing was important. It was kind of putting, like, a shining a light on toxic masculinity and uh, intergenerational struggles with that concept. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was, like, a beautiful family story. Yeah. And um, I was actually, like, in the shower washing my hair thinking of this book, like, just a few days ago, and I started crying. So... I, I want to pick as as brave as you and um the author is it Jason Reynolds? Yes. He's such a great author. Yes. Like I think we both read that um we both read that um uh, oh, graphic novel he made. Oh, which what graphic novel? The graphic novel that was about gun violence. I have not read that. I read um I read Long oh, Way Down that. his teen novel. I I read that oh, okay. um I thought you read that uh the graphic novel one for a book club. No, I read Long Way Down for my book club. Isn't that the one that was about gun violence? It's uh, it's like a novel in verse. It's not a graphic novel. Oh, okay. Well, but it's about it's more- about it's about a kid whose brother dies from gun violence, and so he gets in the elevator to go down to the street, and he's going to find his brother's killer and avenge him. And then while he's on the elevator, he's visited by like ghosts of people who've been affected by. Gang yeah, violence and I, re- stuff. I read that as a I read that as a graphic novel. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it was still written in verse. I've not read the graphic novel version of that, but that's cool. Yeah, no, that's it's a really good story. A really good story. Yeah, the text would have been the same. Okay, yeah, is a book about yeah gun violence. Um. Anyways, yes, as brave as you, I agree. I life formed is still great and like i'm still looking forward to like the continuation of that series but as brave as you i uh, i mean al- almost by you know necessity it hits things more so yeah yeah and then next we have dollbones versus the other life form the first one cleo makes contact and i feel oh, bad shoot. knocking out two life form books but dollbones just dollbones Dollbones is like the distillation (laughs) of so many things that are like our childhood experiences or or like our childhood desires, you know? Yeah. Okay. We, we kind of, we didn't even say what this was really about. I think this is probably a good moment to mention that. Okay. So like Dollbones is like this uh, group of children who basically play D and D without calling it D and D, but they use like toys to tell their story 
and it's a fantastic story. Like it's like so good. We're just all like when these when these kids grow up, she like the girl who like does most of their storytelling. Was her name Poppy? Mm-hmm. She was such a good. You're like she's gonna be such a good DM. But um, the kid, one of the, one of the the boy in the group, his father finds the toys and throws them all away because he thinks the kid should grow up, even though he really hasn't shown any arrested development in any other arena. That's just this is one thing he does where he uses those toys to st- play storytelling. Honestly, they're just kind of writing a big collaborative story together rather than playing with toys. You know, it's a little bit deeper than that. And he doesn't want to have to tell his friends that the toys are gone. And uh, the girls don't really understand why he doesn't want to play anymore. And so one of the girls says, like, hey, this doll that's really important in our game that my mom has locked up in a cabinet, it has a mission for us. Like, there's, it's, she's a haunted doll, and we need to go to this place to put her to rest. So that's, like, their last quest it's supposed to be their last quest together as a group. I'm, and it's just I'm getting so shivers good. just you talking about it. It's, it was I'm... so great because it just encapsulated the way Josh and I didn't know each other when we were children. And there's no way we would have because I'm eight years older than him. But this is our style of play. So the story spoke to us in that way. Yeah. And it's it's a heart book. And as much as we liked life formed and stuff it didn't hit the way doll bones did and not every book's going to so that's what makes doll bones special to us mm-hmm. is it going to win the bracket i guess we'll find out <laughs> i mean there are a couple in here obviously since we rate them on a one to five star scale as we're doing the episodes we kind of know roughly where things are going to end up i think it's going to be down it's going to be down to two for me that i already kind of have pinpointed we'll get there, but um, I'm kind of more curious to see, like, what ends up being in, like, the quarter and semifinals. Sure. Okay. Uh, Next we have uh, we're introducing Children of Blood and Bone versus the list of things that will not change. I was never super excited about Children of Blood and Bone. I thought it was alright for the most part. Um, The world building's great. Uh, The rest of it was just kind of okay for me. And then we just read the second book, and I don't want to think about that series anymore. (laughs) Yeah, so for anyone who didn't listen to the previous episode, probably a good choice. But um, <laughs> Children of Blood and Bone is based in Nigerian folklore and legend. I liked the novelty of a fantasy series that wasn't set in like that medieval wasn't Europe. Eurocentric. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, I thought the first story was really cool. There was this moment where they're out in the desert and they go to this gladiator type arena and they filled the arena full of water. And there's ships fighting each other. I'm sorry, that was we both were like, that is so cool. Yeah, and so me- cool. meanwhile, there are people that are like dying of thirst in the streets and stuff because yeah. this gladiatorial thing is yeah taking all the water, right? So that was, those were cool moments in that book. But I mean, the list of things that will not change. I immediately burst into tears at the end of this book, and I was I felt moved all through it. It's kind of like the soul sister. I feel of the thing about jellyfish. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Always and Forever Largene versus... Oh, we're bringing in Sorcery and Cecilia. Um, Sorcery, Sorcery and Cecilia, Cecilia, I thought, was a really fun concept. It's an epistolary novel. It's the stories... as uh, letters back and forth between Cecilia and the other one. Sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
fair, her name isn't in the title now. I don't remember what it is. But, um, yeah, and it's basically steampunk without the steampunk, because it's, like, alternate, because it's, like, everything's the same, but, like, there's magic Yeah, in, and, like, England. Yeah, in, like, Victorian England, and but then there's still, like, you know, like, debutante balls and things like that. So a lot of it actually is focused on the that era's like societal interactions but then there's also this underlying magic storyline going on um and that was kinda, a fun like kind of similar to uh doc oh not doctor well maybe it is was it mr strange dr norell and mr strange jonathan strange and mr norell John- jonathan strange see i kept want to say dr strange and that's <laughs> jonathan strange and mr norell it's kind of that kind of vibe except like Jonathan Strange is a better book, but, um, yeah. Yeah, so I thought it was a really interesting concept, and I thought it was fine as a book, um, but I do have, I do have a, um, there's, there's a bigger spot in my heart, not just because it was a trilogy, but the, the characters of the Lara Jean trilogy just really, like... I think Lara Jean's just such a sweet character, I really like her. Yeah. And plus, uh, this was the last book, right, All Use and Forever Lara Jean, where she has a fight with her boyfriend where she initiates sex and he's not really ready for them to go there. And then he calls her out and saying like, Oh, you just wanted to do that. So it would be part of your high school experience and put it in your little box and label it high school experience. And we are both like, Ooh, that's not what she was doing, but that's a very good assessment of her character for how she's like, all right, everything goes in its neat piles and all my experiences. And then there's even going to be a color coordinated ribbon around like the, way i decorated the box you know i remember us both being like "Ooh, that was really astute peter yeah also just you mentioning that thing i shout out to to hetero stories where the guy is the one that's uncomfortable with taking the next step like i thought that was so great that he was uncomfortable taking next the next step and he was the one who was who was experienced yeah and it just shows that like each relationship is different and needs to Mm -hmm. like be judged and grow like on its own merits right Um, and you can't just assume that like every relationship's gonna work the same so yeah yeah cool um heavy vinyl riot on the radio which was a graphic novel versus wolf hollow yeah i'm gonna go with wolf hollow i i liked the idea behind heavy vinyl like the like the idea of a bunch of girls working at a record store and also like being like crime fighters and stuff i liked it more than like i thought the execution was just kind of okay um right and it ended so abruptly so it didn't really get a chance to really do anything yeah it was more like set up and there you go we got canceled you're like oh shit okay so, um, it's kind of not really fair to put that up against anything else, but kind of, so Wolf, Wolf Hollow wins. Yeah. Heavy Vinyl, I think the second book is out now, though, because yeah, it got I canceled as individual volumes, but they were able to sign something with somebody to produce the second story as a standalone. I don't know if I would necessarily, like, try and hunt it down, but, um, I think it is out there. You know, uh, maybe I'll look in the library to see if they have it. Oh, yeah. Heavy Vinyl Y2KO published uh, March of 2020. Okay. So it'd probably be available through the library by now if they have it. Yeah. Uh, the writer That's of so- it also has a uh, an ongoing series called 
the Avant Guards. Guards spelled G-U-A-R-D-S. Uh, it's about college basketball players, but it's not really about college basketball players sort of a thing. Like, the cover is just a bunch of teenagers, like, hanging out in a, in a VW, um, and one of them happens to have a basketball. Okay. Anyways, so, yeah, we'll follow. Yes. We'll follow, yes. Uh, Ghosts versus Redwall. Ghosts! I read Redwall, and now that I've read it, I don't need to read any more, uh, mice with swords. Okay. I kind of want to pick Redwall over Ghosts. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what to do about that. You know, we gotta have talking animals here somewhere. So, and plus, um, I'm willing to knock ghosts out for Redwall because of the whole idea of the ghosts living in the Spanish mission. And it's like, why would those ghosts of Mexican indigenous people be hanging out in the mission? So that just felt gross. Whereas Redwall, there weren't gross bits there was just birds speaking in an annoying way, which I can forgive more. Uh, so, okay. That's kind of where I'm at. Okay. I did enjoy ghosts, but yeah. that was kind of just kind of like this moment of ick that I didn't like. And Redwall was ick. Oh, wait. Redwall gave me nightmares because it's a snake. Um, Here's the thing. Whichever one we pick is going to lose to Wolf Hollow. So <laughs> I don't really care that much. Okay, then make it ghosts, so then Wolf Hollow can knock it out. Like, ha, <laughs> ah, maybe you shouldn't have put the indigenous ghosts in the Spanish mission. Ah. <laughs> okay. Uh, Fablehaven Rise of the Evening Star versus a Glory of Unicorns. That's not even a competition. We've already explained. I know, come on, Glory of Unicorns. <laughs> uh, one of the unicorns has got to make it if we're, if we're knocking out the perfect one from Keys to the Demon Prison. Actually, please go listen to that episode. The book sucked, but, like, I feel like it's a really good episode. Because, <laughs> like, we didn't like it, but and we were a little bit mad about it, but we could be funny. Yeah. And then the thing about Jellyfish versus our most recent book, Children of Virtue and Vengeance, which was really, really rough. That was the second book. That was the sequel to Children of Blood and Bone, and it just... Dropped the ball? It, it popped it? threw it behind a bush, and then put its hands behind its back and started whistling like it had never seen the ball before. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Basically, Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Think about jellyfish. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Back to the top. We're into the third round. Holy crap. Fablehaven Grip of the Shadow Plague, a.k.a. Pettenberg just punching a centaur in the side. Uh, versus Paperback Crush. I don't know. Keep, I just keep picturing Brendan Fraser at the height of his powers, punching that horse in the side. Is that single scene really going to carry it through, <laughs> through I think so. three rounds? It's going to have to. Josh, I still talk about it. <laughs> I still laugh about it. And sure, we liked the word horn doggery that was used in Paperback Crush, but has it come up since? It really hasn't. So, Pat and Punching the Horse. That There we go. Okay. 
It's the it's the rare it's the rare time where like it'd be like playing like cards against humanity or something, and somebody just keeps playing the same card, but it keeps winning. <laughs> also, it was kind of like the last shining moment before the series kind of shifted to uh, I don't like what's happening. Yeah. So it was like the last book that was that took place in Fablehaven, and it was just contained to that area. I hope that the small, the third small spaces book breaks the trend, but we're kind of in a situation where even if a book isn't a trilogy, we just like to pretend that it's a trilogy. Like we stopped reading Penderwicks after three books. Yes. We maybe should have stopped reading Fablehaven after three books. Hmm. Okay. Oh well. I'll put yeah. it through. Clockwork versus small spaces. Uh, oh no. I really like both of these. They're okay. both really well, let's, good. Let's really okay. Let's work through this. Okay. So small space is what it's doing. Well, the, well, we just need to decide what each of them's doing, mm-hmm. and then which we feel is more effective and more important and like stuck with us more. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk this through. So small spaces is a ghost story, a really well crafted ghost story. Yes. Where a girl is also coming to terms with her grief for her mother's death. Yes. Her unexpected sudden death that she just hasn't really been dealing with and has been isolating herself from everybody else. And in the process of this adventure, she makes a couple of friends that, um, one of them in, in which is a kind of overly sensitive girl who kind of cries about everything. And she, she kind of looks on that girl with disdain for a while until she kind of realized that there's like a strength and power to being so in touch with your emotions because she's been so disconnected from her own. Mm-hmm. And Clockwork is a very beautifully written fairy tale about kind of the art of creation itself. And oh, it's your heart book. Tell me. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a book about creation, but it's also a book. It It's a book about how... Uh, things, I mean, it's kind of in the name, how things kind of work together, you know, like cogs of a, of a machine in, in often unexpected ways to create these beautiful results. Things that you wouldn't expect to connect that end up coming back around and, you know, uh, things, uh, repeating themselves in ways that just shows how interconnected everything really is. Yeah, it's just a, it kind of does a similar thing to what, um, girl who drank the moon does where it's like trying to evoke an older style of story not necessarily not just like storytelling but like an older style of story like the sort the sorts of stories that aren't told anymore um and kind of bringing us back to that and just providing a really really lovely small space to do it in just by virtue of how well i was able to explain it i kind of like small spaces for this. See, um, I, I, I kind of like clockwork. You're kind of going more. to clockwork? But I, I love both of them, and I wouldn't be upset for either of them to win. Maybe we should go with clockwork. I'm kind of thinking because of small spaces is a whole series. Mm-hmm. And even though we could have just, it could have been a standalone easily, but it did leave kind of that space open for a sequel just by having the villain not really defeated, just kind of going away temporarily. Yeah. Well, clockwork is clockwork is a whole contained, beautifully tied up in a bow story. Mm-hmm. Like we're like you said, everything connected. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to say clockwork. Okay. 
But small spaces, we really do, we do love you, and we, uh, we still recommend you to people and think that you're great. Yeah, this is the first one that hurt. Yeah. You're like, well, get ready. Well, I mean, the next one's Pumpkinheads versus the girl who drank the moon. You might have to be the girl who drank the moon. Really? Yeah. Tell me. Okay. Well, we, again, we have, like, the beautiful fairy tale with everything being connected. Oh, okay, well, maybe we should go with pumpkin heads if it's going to be. Because <laughs> the girl Jane the Boone does something very similar to mm-hmm. clockwork, where, like, everything's connected. I also liked the beautifulness of, like, this stupid village sacrificing a baby every year. Uh-huh. And these Nimrods just think the baby, you know, like, oh, well. And yeah. they never really think the question, like, well, what happens to the baby? But the swamp which is like, okay, these idiots are bringing a baby out, yeah. so... Is another baby I have to raise up. And yeah, when we're getting into home for. when we're getting to books that we like this much, we really are looking at this. This feels like I'm a I'm a judge during like the 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 later episodes of like um the Great British Bake Off or something, where it's like we're really we're really like looking at the the even the smallest details to find fault. And the only yeah. real fault that I can think of is the girl who drank the moon had the thing about the the the, the swamp is the, the poet swamp. is the something, and we're just kind of like I think that one's going a little over our heads. Yeah, um, that's whereas with pumpkin heads, I don't even think we said what pumpkin heads is about, but it's these two friends who work in this amazing like it's almost like a theme park, but it's really just like a pumpkin patch. But there's like very detailed sections where you go and get succotash or you go and get fudge. And and then of the two characters, the boy has been loving this girl from afar for all the years they've worked there. And then the other friend is like, okay, we're going to get you with this girl by the end of the night. This is our last night here. Cause we both graduate high school at the end of this year. And this is our last fall working here. And then there's like a series of funny nicknames for this girl that who works at the fudge shop. And I think our favorite was Vanessa Fudgens, which I still think about to this day. Every time I see Vanessa Hudgens <laughs> mentioned anywhere, I think Vanessa Fudgens. <laughs> and it's written by Rainbow Rowell, who we both really enjoy. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm reading uh, Attachments. Her, I think it was her first novel. Was it her first novel? I think it was. Yeah, I'm reading that for... The, well, it was the first one I read. I don't know if that's actually her first <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is, um, but I'm reading that for uh, one of my book clubs right now. So yeah, she's... I just really liked it a lot. Yes, she's very good at like dialogue and characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is what Pumpkinheads is mostly as is dialogue and characters. Yeah. But all those different sections of the pumpkin patch. Yeah. Was just so cool, and I was like, I want to go to this yeah. place. Yeah. And like, um, Faith Aaron Hicks was the artist, and she did a great job at I uh, um. The, the facial expressions were just so good. Like, like it the just... boy, there's like a great moment where he's remembering something embarrassing. Like when he's, she's like, remember when we first met and you did a magic trip? And he's like, oh, God, I remember I was really into magic at that time. And he's partially covering his face and he's yes. blushing. And yes. it's just the most adorable picture. Yes. Ever. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think. All right. We'll go with pumpkin heads. Uh, all right. Penderwicks on Garden Street versus Extraordinary. I think Penderwicks on Garden Street is going to win. Yeah. I think Extraordinary is solid, but I think that it is, through no significant fault of its own, it's just it's just not quite crossing that threshold of such insane greatness that some of these other ones really end up. I mean, up. Penderwicks on Garden Street gave us the moment of 
Batty hiding in the back of the car, half-assedly, <laughs> with a blanket thrown over her head. And then the dad pulling up to the restaurant they love eating at and being like, gee, I wonder where Batty is. I think she'd like to eat here. And then her pulling the blanket off like, I'm here, Daddy. And plus her stupid dog's with her, too. So it's like, <laughs> no stealth at all. But it's such a great moment that I liked it so much I told my brother about it and he had a good laugh about it. And he didn't, without knowing anything about Batty or the story itself, you just like the image of like some dumb kid hiding under a blanket yep. in the back of a car. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Real good. Okay. As brave as you versus Dollbones. It's got, it's, it's gonna be Dollbones for me. It, it hits too many of the personal notes. As brave as you definitely hits some of those for me, and it also gives me empathy for other people's, but it's really hard for me to, like, separate myself from Dollbones. Yeah, it's gonna have to be Dollbones. It was, um, I think, was it the first episode we did after our test episode? Well, we did the test episode, and then we tried to film our first episode, and that went very poorly, and we nearly quit the podcast, like, early on. <laughs> but you aired the, the test one instead, and then I think this was the first real one we were going to do. And no, I, th- then... I think Fablehaven was, actually. I think this was the second. Okay. But it, okay. it, was, it was still super one... early on. We were still really get, getting our feet like trying to figure out what we were doing with this whole thing. So it was the first one that I was like, maybe this is going to be good. This podcast. Yeah. Is where I got conf, you know, more confident in the story. And I think I saw a review of us somewhere that said that, um, we pick up at doll bones <laughs> like that. They're like, that's where it really seems to. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Which isn't bad. I'm, I'm looking at it now. And it's like our third episode. So yeah. not bad that we, you know, figured things out by episode three. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think we we figured out a lot of the things that we... We did a lot of uh, learning during the episode that has never been named or aired. So that helped, yes. too. It's uh, a bad book. Don't... Uh... Don't read the book that we're not going to mention. <laughs> but I see people talk about that series and say, like, oh, it's, it's the it, best. Yeah, it still moves a lot. I don't get it. I don't either, because it's so derivative and terrible. And we've probably talked vague talking about it, since no one knows what we're talking about. Should we have a competition sometime where we have people guess? That would be really funny. That would be so funny. Just based on, like, the cryptic things we said. I would love to get to the point where we have enough of a listener base that they interact with each other a little bit, like, like, through, like, a, a discord group or something even if there's only like five people in there but i would love the idea of people actually like communicating about it um because then we could do more fun things like that well i mean maybe if we actually attempted to i know it's promote just, this. we spend so much energy with the reading and the summary and then i i do all the editing as well and i just i don't like putting myself out there and like advertising myself i just feel really like you know I get it. Yeah. That definitely, like, don't perceive me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But that's, that's okay. All right. So Dollbones is going to win there. Um, It does. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The list of things that will not change versus always and forever, Laura Jean. I think this is where, yeah, I think this is where Laura bows out. We say, we say bye. Sorry, Laura Jean. Sorry, Laura. I feel like, I feel like Laura Jean would pick this book too. Yeah. 
She'd be like, oh, no, don't pick me. Pick this book. This book is fantastic. <laughs> She's like, I'm fine. I'm going to college. I'm I'm baking a bunch of cupcakes later today. Anyways, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Wolf Hollow versus Ghosts. Uh, we already determined that Ghosts wasn't making Wolf it Hollow. further. So yeah. Wolf Hollow yeah, wins. Yeah. Fablehaven Rise <laughs> of the Evening Star versus The Thing About Jellyfish. The high point of the Fablehaven series, the thing that convinced us that we were in it for the long haul, versus the spiritual sister to the list of things that will not change. Okay, what, what did we what did we like about it? Uh, this is where the Sphinx was introduced, and then there was the manipulative game of foosball that like he lets Kendra win, and then he like beats Seth. Is kind of this moment where he kind of understands each of their characters. This is this one introduces Vanessa, right? Yeah, introduces Vanessa, and this is where we get uh, Warren back, Mm-hmm. and where Seth gets his um, shadow tamer powers, whatever they called it. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. It's because he took that the nail out nail. of the yeah. The, yeah. I don't know. Now that I'm speaking about it more, I kind of want to choose the other one because so I was like, well, what do we actually like about it? And it's like, uh. I think it's harder to distill, because part of the reason that we liked it so much was because it, you know, like, tightened screws on all of the things that we already liked about the first one. You know, it just kind of polished all of that up. We got even better, uh, I think it had, like, the best stuff between uh, Dorn and Newell. Yeah, I think there was a good moment with that. Oh, There's a part at the beginning where we see them in school. So we get to see what yeah. their life is like, like at home. And this gross troll thing comes into the school, but she sees it as a gross troll thing. Everyone else sees a hot boy. And she like kind of has to go confer with Seth, just like, yeah. what do you see over there? And he's like, ooh, he's so hot. Do you want me to give him your number? <laughs> you know? Yeah. an annoying little brother. But then, and then her fun. friend wants to like go on a date with him. And she was, she was like, do not go anywhere alone with that guy. Like, yeah, and like, but the, but the talk talks to her in a way that like she does end up protecting her friend without like making her friend feel defensive of her choices yeah. and doubling down on going around with this guy. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so there were good character moments yeah. for both of them in this book. And then the thing about jellyfish was made you, me cry. Yeah, I mean, you get you you get really emotionally connected specifically to the main character. Um. There's a girl trying to come to terms with her friend's untimely death, but they hadn't been friends for a long time. So you almost don't feel like you have a right to mourn just because they hadn't been friendly Close in a while. And also the last thing um, our main character did, was it Susie was her name. The last thing Susie's did to her friend was this very gross, disgusting, mean thing. That she now has to live with because she never made anything right with her friends who, like, um, drowned out in the ocean. And she kind of convinces herself that it happened because she was stung by a jellyfish. So she just becomes obsessed with jellyfish and learning everything she can about them. And so it kind of seems to come to this thing where, like, everything will be okay once I know everything about jellyfish and just puts all her energy into that until it kind of just comes to a head and she's kind of forced to um, talk about what happened to Franny. Her name was Franny, I think. You're so much uh, better with names than I am. 
I don't even remember the names of like characters in books that I'm reading like actively. It took a while for it to come to me. I, I I remembered they had like anachronistic old lady weird names for children that would have been popular in the '60s rather than now. I remember that I kept. Franny. I I remember that I kept picturing the main character as black, even though she was explicitly described as not being black. But in my head, she was. I remember that. You remember that thing that didn't happen? Yeah, yeah I did. I remember it vividly. <laughs> and everyone's like, none of this happened. They're fictional. <laughs> it's also kind of a challenge to like, you know, when you're comparing a book that is obviously, it's focusing more on like, quote unquote, literary themes versus one that's fo- focused more, quote unquote, you know, entertainment, you know? Yeah. And it's again, they're trying to do two different things. And the question is who executed it better? Yeah. But this was, but this Fablehaven book was the one that made us commit to five books, even though it was getting bad in the fourth, and we stuck it out. Yeah. That speaks to the level of writing. The goodwill of it carried, yeah. So, I hate this, but we might have to let go of Jellyfish and go with Fablehaven. Yeah, I think it's, like, it's a legacy for the podcast and how it affected so much of what we did in the future. I think it's gonna, I think that's gonna... I mean, also, that's, win, but... that, that's a more respectful reason to get to this point than Patton punching a centaur. <laughs> uh, okay, this is the uh, this is the quarterfinals. We're down to eight left. Uh, so going back up to the top, we're looking at Fablehaven, Grip of the Shadow Plague versus Clockwork. I am not letting Clockwork. the centaur punch. No, no, we're done. We're done. It's not. Uh... We're finally at something that I feel more strongly about. Yeah. So. Yeah, we're sorry, Patton. We're leaving you here. I love you, but you're going. You're staying here, and we're going with Clockwork. He made it into the top eight. Clockwork, where I always talking about things that didn't happen. I always think of like that. Um, was it a knight that would like just walk on its own and then like stab you yeah. if you didn't like whistle the tune? Yeah. Yeah, I always think of like the thing like marching along, and I thought of the stop. What the hell are you talking about? Get my pretty, pretty name, name out, out of your, your mouth. mouth. <laughs> right. The yeah. night was Billie Eilish. Yes, the night was Billie Eilish the whole time. Uh, okay. Pumpkinheads versus Penderwicks on Garden Street. Penderwicks. Yeah? Well, we've established what each of these was doing. And, I mean, it was a... Pumpkinheads was very cute, but ultimately... We liked Penderwick so much, and again, it's something that kind of has stood more the test of time. We mostly just talk about liking pumpkin heads, but we don't really ever quote from it other than like Vanessa Fudgens, like that's right, kind of it. But um, but I feel like the Penderwicks has more of an impact on this podcast as a whole. Like we keep we keep like writing unofficial fan fiction. But yeah. like, what would the Penderwicks characters be like in this story? Like how we wanted them so badly in like a small spaces episode. Yeah, I think like, I think by the same logic that we did Fablehaven 2, I think Penderwicks can win this. On a personal level, I do enjoy Pumpkinheads more than this specific Penderwicks book. But for us collectively and as a project, I think the Penderwicks deserve that. I mean, I kind of agree with that. Like, I think 
but I'm trying to look at this more as like a mm-hmm. podcast mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of thing. So uh, it goes through into the semifinals. Dollbones versus the list of things that will not change. Um, Dollbones. Yeah. I mean, I love, like, I know we both loved the list of things that will not change. We both love Jesse with all our hearts. He is not just his husband's sunshine. He's also our sunshine. Yes. But, and I love B and her story about looking at moon and at a moon in the other window. Yes. And then the the cover of her sitting in like that moon and then looking at another moon. And I was just like, God, that's terrific. But, um, yeah, Dollbones is like our, it's kind of the soul of this podcast, honestly. Dollbones is like if somebody like extracted parts of you and I and then like mashed it together in some kind of alchemical machine and then poured it into a novel, it becomes Dollbones. Basically, yeah. If we ever met Holly Black and told her that, she'd be like, wow, what? That, okay, that's our that's our new goal, is uh, to go to a Holly Black book signing and tell her that. And I... Uh, oh, yeah, and bring our copies of Dollbones. Yes, and convince her to also be on the podcast. <laughs> that might be a fun idea, and like maybe the, that episode we'd read um, The Coldest Girl in Cold Town instead. Oh, yeah. Dollbones. I don't know, so we could discuss that, because I don't think... It's a teen vampire book, but, like, it's good. But, like, it's Holly Black, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, it's so good. Like, I was I was just like, well, I really like Dollbones, so I guess I'll see what happens with this. And then was so, surpri- like, pleasantly surprised. The woman can write. She can. Okay. Wolf Hollow versus Rise of the Evening Star. Um. I think Wolf Hollow resonated more for you than it did for me. Like, it did I like, for I, yeah. I liked it. I respect it. I think it's a good book, but I did not like it. Di- it didn't hit me as viscerally as it did for you. Um, and like, yeah. Okay, so it hit me viscerally, but again, it hasn't had the same impact on the podcast as this book had. Yeah, because again, it bought goodwill through like two pretty shitty books. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go with Fable Haven. Again, this isn't a choice I'm happy with, but... (laughs) Okay. Semi-finals. Clockwork versus the Pendericks on Garden Street. Clockwork. You're like, wait, we didn't even need to debate that. Like, nope. That's interesting. This is... I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think it's interesting because we've talked about how certain books have a legacy for the podcast, but I feel like Clockwork is just such a strong book in itself that doesn't really matter what sort of impact the other ones have. It's just like, it just comes to throw down as just such a good book. Yeah. We, we don't really quote from it and it doesn't get referenced too much except to just say, Oh my God, clockwork. Yeah. But it's still kind of like there. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's more like, like a um, support beam that you don't notice all the time, but it's there. Yeah. So, um, it, it definitely kind of encapsulates what we both like in stories. Yeah. So I think that's why it, it's doing really well in this uh, bracket. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So our first finalist is Clockwork. All right. So our last matchup in the semifinals, Dollbones versus Fablehaven, Rise of the Evening Star, and Fablehaven, you got you got to top four, but I, I can't let you beat Dollbones. I'm sorry. I can't do no. it. No. 
It's no, not happening. Uh-uh. I knew Fablehaven would get far on this. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with Dollbones. Okay. Clockwork versus Dollbones. Okay, I know Clockwork's your heart book, but I feel like Dollbones is our heart book. It yeah, just, it's... Yeah. It, it's it's everything that we like it's everything that we want this sort of book to be for like it's the crux of the podcast it is this is we are looking for this this experience well it had everything that we've liked so far in these books that have moved ahead like it had the emotional impact it had the humor it had excellent world build well i mean it was modern times but it still was world building yeah and wonderful fantasy elements. There was a ghost. There's also the question of, was there a ghost? And kind of like wiggle room for you to like interpret however you wish to. Mm-hmm. It just delivers everything that's, uh, that we both like in stories. And it's just a really well constructed story. It really is. Okay. There we go. Of the first 50 ish books that we've read. Episode three, Dollbones, remains on top. But there, I mean, it, it really goes to show that we, we have, it, once we got into like the top eight, definitely, it's like all of these are like pretty easy recommendations to people. Um, yes. And even, even some of the stuff that we knocked out before that, like the thing about Jellyfish only got to the top 16, but like I still recommend that to people looking for books in that age range, like without hesitation. So, like, we've read quite a few really good books. Wasn't there a little girl at the library that we recommended that book to? And then, like, she showed up the next day with her mom and wanted another book that was like that one? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember once, um, yeah, the mom says, can you recommend something? And we did have the thing about jellyfish. And I pulled it down from the shelf and showed it to the girl. And her face lit up. Like, that's how stoked she was on reading that book. But now that we've read like the th- the list of things that will not change, that's another one. If someone's like, "Well, I really like the Jellyfish book," what would you recommend? That, Can you recommend that one? Yes. Cool. That was that was fun. That was interesting going back to some of these and like not just talking about like the things that we like had talked about when we first read them, but also like how our responses to them have grown and changed since. You know? Yes. Super interesting. So, yeah, uh, maybe we'll do something similar once we get another large batch of books or maybe we'll play around with something else. Oh, what if we did like a, um, like a hunger games with the characters based on like, like they wouldn't have to like murder each other, but set up some sort of like hypothetical competition and like who, who would be like the best with like their resources. Like Seth would have his survival kit, but uh, you know, Laura would never go hungry because she can make stuff. And Batty would be able to, like, communicate with the animals and, like, you know, figure out some sort of thing like that and figure out... I don't know. I just thought of it. But I feel like there's something we could Who do Who wants to be our protagonist? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah, I hope y'all enjoyed us doing something kind of experimental like this. It was it was definitely fun to do. So. Yeah. Um, I think I randomly came up with this idea just because of just like what do you want to do for march and i was like oh i don't know oh march madness <laughs> why don't we just do brackets <laughs> of like and i was just like i don't know a whole lot about that because neither of us is into sports but yeah i think this worked okay 
I feel like it'd be really mean, but I would kind of like to do a reverse bracket where we figure out which one was actually the worst. Like we start with like our just just like our bottom eight and figure out which one was the worst one that we read. I kind of feel like we already know what the worst is, and it's tunnels. It nearly <laughs> killed this podcast. <laughs> like I had to be inebriated in order to get through the episode. Yeah. Like I was mad at you for a while. <laughs> That's how bad Tunnels was. <laughs> We've grown so much. <laughs> right. All right. Well, that was the episode. Uh, next month, uh, we are going to be reading the third book in Catherine Arden's uh, Small Spaces series. This one is called Dark Waters. I'm pretty excited, but also trepidatious, but also excited. Right. Because I just like those characters so much. And even if the other story like wasn't as good as Small Spaces, what's gonna be as good as Small Spaces? Yeah, it's like it, like it's like a downward trend, but not like a precipitous downward trend. It's just like you didn't quite get there, but like it was still good. It was still an enjoyable read. We still want to read more. So curious where it's gonna go next. It's it's gonna be fun. It looks kind of like a murky lake type situation. Yeah. Which that's going to be atmospheric and fun. We should do a challenge where we, uh, when we read it, we have to we have to like sit down and decide to like read it in one sitting. But we have to have like our feet in a bucket of water, and we have to see which one gets like more like spooked about the idea of there being something in the water, and like oh, pulls no. their feet up first. <laughs> I don't like this challenge. <laughs> I would like to lose. Thank you. Okay. Hello, Fellow Kids is hosted by Mara and Josh, produced by Josh, music provided by Ben Ash. You can visit him at benash.com. If you'd like to contact us, you can email us at hfkpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at hfkpodcast. I'm going to try and figure out a way to get the bracket uh, into an image that would allow me to post it somewhere after this episode goes up so that people can see uh, how it went. I like have a visual representation of it. But it's also, like, the format of it is very large, and I'm not sure how to do that. But I'll try something. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back next month with Dark Waters. Bye! Bye!